Hello, welcome back to the Life from the Wrist podcast. I hope you all are having a great day, afternoon, morning, whenever you're tuning into this podcast. Over the last four episodes, we've covered some of the auctions that have taken place in the month of May. We covered the Philips Geneva Watch auction. We also covered um, our favorite picks and predictions from the Christie's Rare Watch auction um, a couple episodes ago. And it's just such an exciting time when, when we get to take a look at what auction the auction world does for for vintage watches and watches in general um, so similar to how we did for the Philips um, Gene- uh, Geneva watch auction where we first had an episode where we went over our favorite picks and our predictions and then we went over some of the results I'm going to be going over the results of the Christie's uh, rare watch auction we'll be going over just some of my favorites and um, uh, giving you some thoughts on, on general, general, general thoughts on kind of the watch uh, auction world and also uh, Christie's as, a, as an auction house. Um, I obviously tuned into this, into this uh, auction and it was really a pleasure to, to watch. So um, before we get into that, um, if you are new to Life on the Wrist, um, we are watch enthusiasts. We create videos, editorials, podcasts um, about watches, the watch industry. Um, so if you like those types of things, be sure to check out our website lifeontherist.com. You can also check us out on our social medias, uh, media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, and um, for if you want more content from us. We create videos uh, three times a week and we create corresponding articles that go with those videos. So you can find everything on our, on our website, but you can also check us out on YouTube if you want more direct uh, content there. So like I said, I tuned in to the Christie's Rare Watch auction um, when it took place. It was a Monday. Uh, the previous weekend was when Phillips had their Geneva watch auction and it was so interesting to um, see the differences between Christie's and uh, Phillips. Um, the auctions had very very different feels to them even though that they had um, very similar sort of um, watch goals I'll, I'll call them that and they had you know everything from modern to vintage they also had pocket watches and some kind of off the beaten path references um, these two watch auctions obviously had a focus on very rare and um, high quality, good condition pieces. And um, it was just so so funny the, the way that the, the auction kind of, I want to say like presented itself, it was very different between the two. Um, I know that Philips has been uh, on top of most people's minds when it comes to auctions, just with the types of watches that they've been able to bring to the watch market. So. Um, you know, sometimes people say that Christie's is trying to um, keep up, but we'll see what, you know, that's that's an opinion, not really fact. Um, but moving forward uh, onto some of our, our, our favorite lots and just to discuss some of the um, some of the results. Uh, the the watches that I'm going to be covering are um, from my my favorite lots that I spoke about in our predictions, um, our predictions. Uh, podcast and video. Um, we'll start with lot number one. This was a Patek Philippe reference 3800. This is a stainless steel Patek Philippe Nautilus with sweep in seconds, date at three o'clock, and comes on a bracelet. This watch was estimated to go between 20,000 and 40,000 Swiss francs. I thought that this was actually going to go for more than than the estimate. Um, I thought it was a different looking Nautilus. It had um, the potential to be desired by um, by collectors because it was just off the beaten path when it comes to to Nautiluses, but it actually um, it actually went for right within that estimate, actually closer to the bottom end of the estimate. It went for twenty seven thousand five hundred Swiss francs. 
I think the main reason probably comes down to the condition of this watch. Um, this is a this is definitely a used Nautilus. You can see that there's some scratches on the on the bezel of this watch and on the case. And if you look at the dial, there's actually some looks like some scratches on the dial itself, which is. You know, vintage watch collectors, I think there's a varying, it's kind of like a spectrum, either you like, watch, like watches that show their age or you like watches in pristine condition. Um, this probably was showing maybe just a little bit too much age. Um, and it's a modern modern Nautilus too, you know, from 2000. It's not like it's a Nautilus, um, you know, it's not, it's not like it's a true, true vintage watch that's just showing its age because of how, how old it is. You know, this is a 21 year old watch with um, fairly, fairly, uh, um, with quite a few scratches on the, on the case. But, um, you know, there's a I think there's a collector's market for, for most things. Moving forward onto the next slot, I'm going to be talking about a pocket watch. This is lot number 16. This was, I spoke about the yellow gold version of this, but this is the platinum version of the Automa Pique. Uh, diamond set limited edition open face skeletonized quantum perpetual calendar moon phase a leap year indication uh, pocket watch this is the reference 25729 um, that was manufactured in 1992 i spoke about the yellow gold version of this watch um, but there's a, the lot after that one is actually a platinum version of this watch um, and there's only 20 pieces that were created in platinum and 20 pieces that were created in yellow gold and I, I've, I'm of the opinion that I think pocket watches might be having a resurgence in, in the next couple of years. Um, this is kind of based off of some of the questions I've gotten. We've had a lot of traffic to one of our videos where we discuss this topic exactly. Um, and it just seems like people are, are noticing pocket watches a little bit more. I think you have to add the fact that this is a highly complicated limited edition from Automa Pige. So you're getting a Holy Trinity brand and also has the design aesthetics of the Royal Oak, so obviously quite quite, um, quite desirable. Uh, this watch, the platinum version, was estimated to go between 20 and 40,000 Swiss francs. This one crushed it. It, it, it went for 156,250 um, Swiss francs. So um, way above the, the upper estimate here. The yellow gold version also had something um, uh, something similar. I think it went for something like 56,000 Swiss francs, so broke that, that upper estimate. I think, again, this might show this trend towards pocket watches, that people are starting to notice them a little bit more. Um, and obviously, when you have limited editions from, from Holy Trinity brands, that's gonna that's obviously going to, uh, to, to help out a little bit there. So, um, interesting result, a beautiful watch, and, and I absolutely love the, 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 the chain that it comes on to. Moving on to the next lot, we're gonna look at lot number 83. This was the watch that I was super stoked about. I told everyone, if you are just getting into vintage watch collecting, you should take a look at participating in this Christie's watch auction because you could do that and you can participate online. This is lot number 83. It's the Culture Memovox with date. Um, this watch came with a certifica uh, certificate and box, which is pretty cool. It dates to 1961. I've been a huge proponent of the Memovox. I think it's one of the one of the best vintage watches you can you can get if you're just getting into vintage watch collecting. There's a lot of variety in this watch, and it also has a complication that's fairly unique. You have these hammers that are used to sound an alarm for you for this watch, and when you think about other complications that use hammers, you can think of things like a minute repeater. So, you you know it's it's quite close to to something like that. Um, I've also said that if you are getting into vintage watch collecting, there's a couple things that you should do, and I think one of them is you should participate in a watch auction and try and and and, and 
feel what it feels like to participate in something like a Christie's or a um, or a um, Phillips and bid on a watch in a live auction. I think it's it's a it's a it's a very unique experience that 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 I think is worth going through if you are just getting into vintage watch collecting. Um, this watch, the estimate for this slot was uh, between 1,800 and 3,500 Swiss francs. So it was an attractive a price, relatively speaking, because it, you know, I think uh, more people could participate in this. And I, and I really encourage people, if they, if they had the opportunity, this is a great lot to, to, um, to go through. Uh, yellow gold case, beautiful um, white silver cream dial, um, runs on the caliber K825 automatic movement, 37 millimeters. So it's a nice sweet spot when it comes to vintage watches. Um, this watch ended up selling for 3,250 Swiss francs. So towards that upper estimate, uh, which I was super stoked about. Um, this is a great, great example of this watch. And I, and I hope it went to maybe a new uh, watch collector um, who, can, who, can, who enjoyed the experience and then obviously can enjoy this watch. Returning to pocket watches, I want to talk about lot number 62. Um, this is another pocket watch, highly complicated, um, very few, um, very difficult watch to, to, to come across. This was manufactured in 1974. It is a Patek Philippe, um, possibly unique 18 karat gold, open, open face, minute repeater, perpetual calendar with moon phase, four year cycle indication, 24 hour indication and equation of time. This watch also ha has a double signature. It was retailed by Bayer in Zurich. Um, this is the reference 888-880-1. Um, like I said, manufactured in 1974. This is an important pocket watch. If it's gonna be, you know, this is a highly complicated watch with um, incredible history from uh, Patek Philippe. If you take a look at the movement, it's an absolute beauty. Um, very, very typical uh, vintage Patek Philippe um, movement and I mean min repeating hammers are just just absolutely incredible possibly unique so you know this is a probably a, you know possibly a once in a lifetime opportunity for someone to get such a complicated watch that's also also retailed by an extremely important um, retail partner of Patek Philippe um, this watch this pocket watch was estimated to go between 75,000 and 110,000 Swiss francs. This watch ended up going for 137,500 Swiss francs. So breaking through that upper estimate, and I think again, shows how important double-signed dials are, showing how important possibly unique uh, versions of Holy Trinity pieces are. Um, and I mean, it's, it's an incredible looking watch. I also think it's pretty cool because if you kind of zoom in on the case of this watch, you can kind of see a little bit of oxidation towards the upper left-hand side of the case which is kind of exciting because I really love that look of the, when the gold, when gold kind of goes that, that, um, that color. Sticking with sort of complicated watches, I'm gonna be talking about lot number 136 next. This is a Rolex uh, reference 6062 in 18 karat gold. This is a triple calendar moon phase uh, watch that was manufactured by uh, Rolex in 1953. Um, well, what's quite interesting about this watch is that it has a service dial, which I think people are um, people are opinionated on, on whether that's okay or not. Um, but you know, that being said, um, this is this is still an extremely difficult uh, watch to find in the wild. Um, I think it's you know very very few of these thirty five millimeter sixty sixty twos 
are out there and I think when they do come up it's um, even more difficult to um, to to to, uh, to get your hands on um, it, it's believed that Rolex produced about 670 of these yellow gold 6062s and there's only about 142 of these that um, have really surfaced into the into the into the wild um, for someone to actually bid on um, this watch uh, is phenomenal condition. Um, it has a service style, which I think plays into the, to the price, but the estimate was between 60,000 and 120,000 Swiss francs. This, uh, this watch ended up selling for 175,000 Swiss francs. I think the reason why it realized such a, a high price above the upper estimate of this, of this lot is um, these are so difficult to come by. Um, yeah, it has a service style, but to get your hands on something like this, which is still in phenomenal condition, is is even even more difficult. Um, and so I, I'm very jealous of the new owner. I think this is a very important watch to Rolex and also to just complicated uh, complicated watches in general. Obviously, there have been records of you know the Bao Dai 6062, for example, where these have gone for astronomical prices. And I think that that is another that is another layer why the 6062 is such an important piece. The last lot I wanted to talk about was uh, was a lot that I actually ended the podcast on the last time when we t- spoke about the Christie's watch auction, and that was lot 210. This was a Patek Philippe in pink gold. It's a 1518 in pink gold, which is a perpetual calendar chronograph with moon phase and tachometer dial that was manufactured in 1951. The reason why I ended on this watch was because I think it was quite an interesting piece. So. You have a 1518, which is a very, very rare reference from Patek Philippe. It's very difficult to come across. It's said that there's only about 58 of these 1518s in pink gold um, out there. And so you're getting an extremely rare reference, first off. Obviously, there have been stainless steel 1518s that have gone for astronomical prices, and that's incredible. And I think that shows how important the 1518 is to the Patek Philippe lineup. This watch was also, um, also sold by... Serpico in Caracas, um, so that kind of adds a layer to it. Uh, this watch, interestingly, has a uh, engraved case back, so it actually is a personalized case back um, that says MPJ, and then it has some dates on it, um, which I think um, is an interesting kind of angle for this. Um, a lot of the times, when when you have watches that are have these types of engravings, it makes it less collectible for some people because um, it's someone else's story. It doesn't really have relevance to, to the person who ends up buying it. But another part of this is that the the dial of this watch had, didn't patina evenly. You have these little kind of dark marks on the on the on the outside of the dial. You can also look at the hour the applied hour um, indicate the hour uh, numerals. Some of them are really really kind of like a dark black, and then you look at the eleven indicator, which actually is more gold. Um, but really, I, I think the uneven patina is kind of what really stands out about this specific reference. If you also look at the case, there's also some oxidation, which I personally think is actually really, really cool. It gives the gold uh, tone quite a different different feel to it. But I think the fact that the dial is not pristine, perfect, or patinaed um, evenly, I think it takes off some of the market segment that could possibly bid on this watch. So I was really confused on where I thought this was actually going to sell for. You know, you have the estimate was between 450 and 900,000 Swiss francs. And I think there's plenty to argue that this would go between that estimate. 
Um, however, the 1518 is a very rare reference. Um, it's difficult to come across these. The pink gold versions of these are very difficult to come across. 1518s are extremely desirable, and so there's totally a possibility that it would break through that estimate. Um, so I was this is this is I was I was watching with bated breath uh, when this lot came up, um, and uh, it ended up selling for 1.35 million Swiss francs, so way above the um, upper estimate. Um, and I think I think it shows that yes, there are collectors who want absolutely pristine, like new condition vintage watches or watches that have patinaed perfectly. But I think there still is a market segment out there that is looking for these references and is okay with the odd odd um, personalization or the odd um, uneven patina. There still are people who are looking for these and I think that that kind of shows. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this lot specifically so if you want to send us a message I'd love to talk about this one because it's a it's a pretty cool cool lot and and, and it was a nice kind of um, end to, to uh, the Christie's watch auction. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, hearing about my favorite lots and the results from the Christie's Rare Watch Auction. There's a link in the show notes to every single one of the lots that I've spoken about, so be sure to check out the show notes if you want to see these watches while we kind of speak through them. Um, these are This is a really exciting um, auction, and uh, I think it's definitely worth uh, worth your time to check, the, check these out. If you haven't see, heard some of our other podcasts, be sure to check those out. If you are new to this podcast, be sure to subscribe if you like... Uh, you know, hearing about watches in your, in your while you're working, or perhaps when you're exercising or walking to work or something, um, we create uh, podcasts every single week, released on every single uh, Tuesday, so you can listen to us then. If you um, haven't checked out our website, be sure to go to lifeontherist.com. You can see all of our articles, editorials, um, check out our social medias, all of that. Um, and if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating on this podcast, that would really be helpful. Um, and if you might, if you could share this with more watch enthusiasts who you think would love uh, this podcast, that would be great too. And with that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and until next time.